Blog Talk Radio. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Stuart Crawford coming to you from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And welcome to our Leap Day presentation of the Small Business IT radio program. Uh, it's February 29, 2008. Again, this is Stuart Crawford coming to you live over the World Wide Web on blogtalkradio.com. And this is Small Business IT radio. This is a weekly show. For you IT professionals out there that are focusing on the small business IT space, wanting to get a little bit more business information, maybe take that next step to the next level uh, in servicing your clients, it's geared for anybody who focuses on small business IT. And we are going to be joined today by Matt, Mac- Matt Makowitz, and Matt's with Ambition Mission, uh, and Matt Hales from New Jersey. And I just want to see, Matt, are you on the call? We're having, we are actually having some technical difficulty, but Matt, are you there? I am here. Perfect. We got through. And just before we get started with Matt, I want to just make a little bit of a plug for uh, Blog Talk Radio. This is a great uh, service. If you're thinking about getting into podcasting, webcasting, you can go on blogtalkradio.com today and set up a free account and get uh, broadcasting out to the world right away. And also, we got a great trade show coming up April 18th to the 21st in the Dallas, Texas area SMB Summit. And today, February 29th, is the last day that you can get the early bird discount. So go to smbsummit.com and sign up today for this great conference. Matt, I do believe you're going to be there. Is that correct? Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, Carl Palachek and I are doing a really fantastic pre-day event on uh, Thursday afternoon, the 17th. So um, book your flights in a, according to be able to come to that pre-day event. Uh, the pre-day event costs $99, but if you do so uh, before the 15th of March, you get $100 off your SMB Summit registration. So we actually pay you a dollar to attend our pre-day event. Perfect. Well, that's a great deal. And there's a bunch of extra pre-day events. I know there's some Sonic Ball training now lined up, some familiarization with Centro, and uh, all the other new Microsoft solutions coming up. Well, that's not what we're going to talk about today. I want to introduce Matt Makowitz to you. Matt and I have known each other for quite a long time. I think I had the opportunity to see Matt talk about managed services well before managed services started to be the main buzz in, in small business IT. Matt's got a great book, which I'm holding in my hand here, called The Guide to Selling Managed Services. Faster, easier, and for greater profit, which is what we all want in our, in our community and in our, in our business. Matt, for those people that don't know who you are, Give us a quick introduction. You know, what is Matt Makowitz all about? Well, thanks, Stuart. I appreciate uh, being on the call today, and I definitely appreciate the kind words. I, um, for those of you who are not familiar with me, I ran an IT practice for the last eight or nine years. Uh, started out as a one-man shop and really focused completely on small and medium business. And it was a small business specialist, a gold-certified partner, won some awards uh, from Microsoft at the Worldwide Partner Conference in 2004 and was again a finalist in 05 and again in 07 and uh, really did a, did a nice job with growing our business uh, with recurring revenue and with managed services, which we started selling way back in 2003. It seems like ancient history. And over the time of uh, trying to develop solutions for our clients and trying to you know, figure it out, and over the last five years of selling managed services, really figured out a lot of uh, objections that come up and ways to handle them, as well as numerous other techniques and tips about uh, building a business selling this type of service to small and medium customers. 
So what I've done is I've actually uh, performed my exit strategy from my own business, and what I'm doing now is I'm focusing completely on helping other IT companies, other partners, uh, be successful in their in their practices. So as Stuart mentioned, I wrote the book. I'm uh, uh, thinking about actually writing another one, uh, focusing on marketing, which uh, more to follow about that. And right now, all I do is I. Uh, go around the country and do speaking engagements and seminars and boot camps and have coaching services and have an online uh, community uh, where we continually train IT companies and how to grow their business, sell managed services, and uh, basically be more efficient. Thanks, Matt, for that great uh, introduction. Now, you, mean you, you mentioned you, you performed your exit strategy and you're, you're moving on to focus purely on helping other partners out there. What are some of the challenges that you see, you know, outside of managed services, you know, just in general? And it could relate back to what you we're going to talk about today, but what do you see some of the challenges that most partners have in general across the industry when it comes to, you know, running their business? You mentioned your business coach and, and helping them there. So what are some of the challenges that we see consistently across the partner ecosystem? Well, I, I, think, uh, I think one of the largest challenges facing IT providers today is to try to figure out what to do. Uh, there's so many companies and services and products out there kind of really courting uh, the IT uh, partner, really trying to say, hey, work with us, partner with us, uh, attend our trainings, buy our software, whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of good software tools out there, and there's a lot of good training, and there's a lot of good information out there. But I think the biggest challenge is the IT provider that wants to grow they, they want to change. They want to make a, a better company out of what they have now, uh, but they're not sure what the next steps are. They're not sure what to do first, second, and third, and they're not sure you know, which software is right for them, uh, is managed services right for them. They have a lot of decisions, and they're not really sure how to go about them and where, where to find the right answers. I think that's the, probably the biggest challenge uh, that I see from talking to hundreds of partners that I've been talking to over the last few months. Well, there's definitely a lot of noise out there and, and a lot of confusion when it comes to what product and what solutions and, and who to partner with. I think there's a common uh, theme that there's a few companies that we should be partnering with, but you're right, there is a lot of noise. So I'm holding your book up here, and I mean, it goes into a lot of detail about selling managed services. And, you know, managed services has been around for a number of years now, and, you know, most people are starting to, if they haven't already started moving to that direction, are definitely on their way of coming up with a managed services uh, solution. But some of the things we hear every day from our clients is that, you know, Matt, I'm just more than happy with you just come calling you when I need you. Uh, you know, I the added expense. You know, why should I have to pay a thousand dollars a month when you've been servicing me for like five hundred dollars a month, and just coming in when I need you? How do we? How do we as a partner get around some of those objections that we hear? Let's. I mean, let's just start on the pure price thing first. You know, what are what should we t be telling clients when it comes to you know, the price of our offering and, and the value that we can deliver them. Well, I, I, think, uh, I think that last thing you said there is really hitting it on the head, Stuart, which is value. It's all about value. Uh, if I told you that the number one problem of every IT provider uh, is it's not about technology, it's not about knowledge, it's not about delivery, it's about building value. And it really is about taking... Um, what it is you're giving the customer today, and adding to that additional features and benefits uh, that are going to create a different value equation for the customer. So you asked me about price, and you asked me about the objection 
that customers have and say, hey, I just want to call you when I need you. Well, all of those are related to value, and value is not just price. Uh, in fact, value does not equal price. Price is just one tiny piece of what makes up value. There are literally hundreds of aspects of value that are important to the customer. And I guarantee that if you got an honest answer from your customer uh, and you asked them to rank what was most important to them in terms of selecting an IT provider, price would be in the top ten, but it wouldn't be in the number one, two, or three spots. Uh, they may think it is. They might say it is initially, but when you really dive deep and you really talk to them and you really find out what their issues are, that's not the main concern. It's all about value. So let me give you an example. When you have a, a customer, like you said, that is spending $500 a month with you and now we're presenting a solution that's $1,000 a month, you know, and they say, well, why, why, why do I want to change? What, what's, what's wrong with the way it's working now? I certainly don't want to double my expense, etc. And what's happening here is there's no way in the world that it makes sense for a customer to double their expense uh, for no difference, right? So we have to change what the value is that they're getting. Uh, and illustrate to the client what it is that they're getting and, and what they're not getting. Right? So in, in most cases, they might be spending $500 a month, uh, but they're not getting a lot of proactive services. In fact, you're probably 100% reactive. Uh, you probably don't get a chance to do the proactive maintenance and updates that are required that you know as an IT professional, if you don't do, their system is going to go down. It's going to have problems. You're probably not testing backups. You're probably not holding your hand with other vendors. They're probably letting problems fester and trying to deal with them internally and spending tons of time internally and lost productivity, which can all be calculated, by the way. And they're spending all this time that they don't even realize uh, that they're wasting in lost profits and costs to help solve problems before they call you because they're afraid to call you right away because they know you're going to charge them. So it really is a, a whole set of features and, more importantly, benefits that the customer is going to receive that allows you to build up what the value is that you're providing. You're no longer providing break-fix, reactive support. You're providing a proactive maintenance and support solution that's going to carry their business forward and allow them to focus more on their business. And if you build enough value and focus on enough benefits, you could charge them $1,000 or $1,500. It really, the price is not the main component. It's about the value that you bring to the customer. And then, if the value that they see is higher than what you've given them so far, and to the degree that you could charge them a lot more, then they'll say yes, and they'll move forward with your solution. But if they don't see the value, if they don't see the difference, if all they see is a different amount, and they don't see any other value, then they're going to say no. And Matt, you know, where do uh, solution providers today fall short on providing that value to their clients? Well, I think... If I had to, to create one um, answer for that, I think, I think the one thing is that IT providers do is they're, they're really afraid to take that, that step or that leap. In other words, and I, 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 can, I can relate to this, by the way, because I did it as well. What I'm talking about is you know, being afraid to really uh, put yourself out there at the at the fear, basically, that the customer is going to take advantage of you and call you every single minute of every single day and call you for ridiculous issues and things like that. And I've talked to hundreds of partners, and some of them say, well, I don't want my customers calling me for these ridiculous things. And I said, well, you really do. 
You really do want your customers to call you for ridiculous things. You want them to call you for everything because it's better for them to call you for everything than it is to only call you about certain things. If they only call you about certain things, then they're going to hesitate when they call you. And you want a very open line of communication. So figure out what you have to charge your customers so that they can call you about every little thing. But the other thing is that you know partners are really afraid. They're really afraid of opening up that floodgate. And they think that if they tell their customer that, hey, you can call me as much as you want, they think they're going to get such an influx of calls, they're going to be working for $6 an hour effectively. And that's not really the case. It doesn't happen. But I understand the fear. I understand the trepidation because my first contract that I put out there, uh, you know, I told my customers, you have unlimited support incidences as long as they're under 15 minutes each, right? And there are all these little kind of cover my, you know, you know what type of phrases in there and clauses in there to really try to protect myself. And I was very ineffective at selling service contracts that way because the customers didn't see the value. It wasn't until I really said, call us as much as you want. Anything that goes on with your network, any time of day, you can give us a call. And then what happened is it, it did start creating different types of calls. Uh, but then, of course, it allowed us to say, since we're allowing you to call us for everything, and call us any time, and we're guaranteeing this and guaranteeing that. And since we're putting ourselves on the line for you, in order for us to only charge you a thousand dollars a month, or fifteen hundred a month, or whatever it is, you know, we need to have you follow certain recommendations that we have. For example, the the hardware that you have that's out of warranty—that's not acceptable. We need to remedy that. Uh, the fact that you don't have a proper firewall, proper by the way we define it—that's uh, not acceptable. We need to remedy that. And it allows you then, because you're giving more to the customer and you're promising them more, it allows you to kind of put your foot down a little bit about what it is they have in their environment and, in fact, what you're supporting. So it's kind of a quid pro quo type of situation. And then once you're able to do that, the call volume is actually much less than it was in the beginning because it's a more reliable environment and now you're proactively maintaining it. They're not going to have the issues. Well, it's amazing, to, it's amazing to find out, you know, when you really go through the exercise, Matt, of changing the client's environment to match your best practices and, and your proven solutions that you work with, how much money they actually save on their IT support over, you know, getting the $99 uh, blue box router from the, the office depot down the street and wondering why they're getting viruses on their network. Uh, it's very, uh, you know, it's amazing eye-opening experience to actually see uh, how that transforms a business uh, technically and from a business uh, continuity uh, approach. I just want to invite people, Matt, while we've got a break here, that we are going to be taking some live calls, and the lines are open at area code 646-716-8372. Area code 646-716-8372. And if you have a question for Matt, Matt, I want to go through some of the common objections. You know, there's one thing that, you know, I hear all the time, and when we're you know, we're doing it, and, we, we, and we're talking about managed services that, you know, I just don't have a budget for uh, what you're offering at this time. You know, what are, how do we get around when a client says, you know, it's not in my budget this year. Let's talk about it next year when we're doing the budget cycle. Well, I think that's, a, that's an extremely popular objection, and it's, it's also known as I can't afford it or uh, it's too expensive or, um, you know, any of those types of variations. And, I think, I think what's important to say here is, first of all, digress and, and realize that the customers rarely say what they actually mean. 
And, you know, sometimes they, they speak in code to us, and they don't really uh, give us a true objection, and they don't really tell us what's really going on. And sometimes they give us some sort of smoke screen uh, like that one. It's not in my budget. Uh, and, you know, you, you can't say to the customer, uh, come on, Joe, I know you spend money that's not in your budget all the time. Uh, you know, why not make another exception? You, you can't approach the customer that way, even though the reality is it's very likely that they have spent money that's not in their budget. So that's not really the real objection. But understand that when they ask that question, you know, customers give objections because they're requesting more information. They give objections because they're interested. If they weren't interested, they'd say, I don't want it. I don't care what the cost is. I'm not under any conditions. Please get out of my office. But that's not what they're saying. Uh, they're saying, it's not in my budget. And, and what they really mean when they say that is, you know, show me why it should be in my budget. Show me why this isn't so important to my business. Show me how I can fit it into my budget. Show me, you know, what should be in my budget in the first place. You know, I've never really even had an IT budget before in my business. Uh, so, of course, it's not in my budget. You know, a lot of times when I get this objection, I would, have, I would answer, I, I would say to the customers, I said, you know, okay, it's not in your budget, Joe, but let me ask you a question. Have you ever actually made an IT budget? And before you answer that, have you ever actually sat down with a business advisor who had a technology experience behind him uh, to walk you through the challenges that your business is going to face in terms of its technology and really map out a plan of what your expenditures should be so that you can maximize productivity, uh, minimize any type of disruption and downtime, and facilitate growth in your competitive advantage. Have you had somebody sit down with you and develop a budget that allows you to do all those things? Because that's what we're going to do for you. And, and I'd be happy to work with you to develop a budget. And then once you have a budget that's developed, uh, then we can, you know, have it, have it in your business for, for the foreseeable future. In the meantime, if it's a challenge of cash flow this year, you know, I'm sure we can come up with some creative ways to help out with that situation. And then you can, you know, enter in any number of ways that you can help them save money, whether it's introducing a telecommunications vendor that can help save the money on their phone bill or you know, leasing equipment that they were planning on buying and protecting the cash flow or any tough other uh, solutions. But the bottom line is, when customer says it's not in my budget, you know, we're not talking to a large government agency where uh, their budgets are fixed for the year. It's either in the budget or it's not. I mean, that's not the type of customer we're talking to. So when, they, when a small business customer says it's not in my budget, it needs to be approached uh, from the point of view of the customer saying, Show me why it should be in my budget. Show me what are the reasons why this needs to be in my budget. Why is it so important in my business, and how can I get it into my budget? And that's what you as an IT professional, as an IT provider, need to address. And that's one of the things I've seen, Matt, in, in my own travels, is that most small businesses don't have an IT budget until they get uh, something that forces them to have a budget, like a, a data loss a disaster or... Or, or something, some kind of an event like that where now, you know, I haven't been really been planning this. I maybe should wake up a little bit, and, and this is a great opportunity for, for you as a, as a system provider or a managed services provider to get in there and talk budget before a disaster hits or, or an event that forces them to start looking at their IT budget. Because if you don't, it could leave the door open for a competitor to come in that, can, that just happens to talk about that one thing, 
and pretty soon you know you're maybe not doing business with that uh, that one client. Is that, yeah, that, that kind of leads into our next topic here is that some, some of the other things that I see, Matt, in my travels when I'm dealing with new prospects is, uh, I, you know, I have a relationship with another guy right now. I have a little bit of time left. You know, maybe it's a capacity problem or a knowledge problem where, you know, they're just not taking care of us. But, you know, I do have a little bit of time left with this other provider or an IT guy that, you know, that they're dissatisfied with. What can we as an MSP or an IT provider here uh, counter that objection with? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a, first of all, that's a very good objection to get, right? Because when a customer says, you know, uh, the only thing holding me back is I still have hours left with my current guy. Uh, I mean, that, that is a fantastic objection to get because it means several things at once. Number one is it means that the customer is ready to go. I mean, they're interested in moving forward. Uh, but they're, like many small business customers, they're very pragmatic and they're practical and, and they can't stomach the thought of throwing money away. Uh, and that's what they would see doing if they, if they effectively canceled out the rest of the hours. Um, so there's, there's several things that you could do as an MSP to help uh, alleviate that concern. One of the easiest things is to say, all right, well, how many hours do you have left with that provider? Okay, you have 25 hours uh, valued at $2,500, uh, and, and that's what's left. Well, uh, how about if we took off $2,500 on the project services or $2,500 on the uh, support contract over the course of the two-year agreement? Uh, so you didn't feel like you were losing anything, you know, and, and give them that sort of discount. Uh, sometimes that's an effective strategy. Uh, another thing that I would suggest uh, is to approach the customer and say, you know, you know, Bob, if you, you know, if you're dissatisfied with the guy and considering the state of the network, I mean, I know you like him, he's a nice guy, and that's fantastic, and you know, quite frankly, we're always looking for good people, so you know, maybe we. Uh, might want to uh, look at hiring him, but I don't want to get into that right now. In the meantime, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea to have him continue to make changes to your network. So what I would recommend is, you know, look, tell him that you've decided to move on. Uh, tell him that you'd like a refund for some of the hours. Tell him that we would still need a few of the hours during the transition process so they don't feel like he's totally lost out. And, you know, he should give you something back. Now, if he doesn't give you anything back, I, I have some information I can use, uh, I can give you to help you get some money back. And, and here's where it really depends on the state of the customer and how much they um, they like or are upset with the current provider. Because if they, if they really don't like the provider and they really are just bitter, frankly, about the fact that they you know have given them money. Uh, then what you can do is you can you can give them tactics to kind of play hardball with the other vendor, and say you know, listen, Mr. Customer, you know I'm a I'm a member of the IAMCP, the International Association of Microsoft Certified Partners, and I'm a Microsoft Small Business Specialist, I'm a certified partner, and I'm um, I'm highly recognized in the local uh, Microsoft area sales office, and I know a lot of the folks over there. Um, you know, if you want, you know, I can give this. Uh, you know, this gentleman a call and talk to him on his behalf. But if you don't, then uh, you can give him a call and, and ask him, you know, if you want him to do the right thing and, and give you money back or if he wants to, do, you know, not do the right thing and not give you money back. And you can kind of throw some of these names and associations around. Um, you know, and, and one time I actually had success with a customer 
to get money back from a, a provider that was really playing hardball. And I said to the customer, who's really upset at the situation, I said, well, do you have a contract with that provider? And he said, no, all I have is this invoice. And the invoice said, uh, you know, uh, 40 hours of time. And it said it just like that, 40 hours of time, 40 hours of labor. It did not specify what those hours are going to be used for or anything else like that. So I instructed the customer to call up the provider and say, since there's no instruction of, of how these hours are to be used, and you say that the only choice that I have is to use the hours, uh, well, I'm not sure that I need them to be used for IT services. You know, I have some painting that needs to be done and some cleaning of the office that needs to be done and, and some other things like that. And he was kind of playing hardball back with the, with the vendor. And, um, you know, make a long story short, the guy didn't come in to do any pain, but he did give half of the money back uh, to the customer. And I will say that if, if through your efforts or through your advice or through your counsel, uh, you can get uh, the customer even one dollar back, uh, you really do look like a hero. And, and it comes down to the fact that when a customer gives you that objection, they're really asking for your help. Uh, they're saying, I'm ready to go with you. I, I want to move forward. I just don't want to waste money. And, and maybe can you show me how I can get some of my money back? And that's how I've addressed it in the past with, uh, with great success. I love that one. Uh, <laughs> the, get into painting and the cleaning. Though. I should, uh, should try that one um, next time I have that situation. That's really good. Um, you know, we talked about getting around the, you know, just, I just want to call you when I need you uh, type uh, clients. Uh, you know, any other, anything else we could talk about there, Matt? Um, you know, it kind of just kind of strikes me that we need well, to maybe expand on that just a little bit more. Well, sure. I mean, one of the, one of the, there's good objections to get and there's not good objections to get. In other words, I mean, they're all learning experience. They all tell us something about what we did or did not do during our presentation, our sales process, and how well we built value. Um, you know, the, I just want to call you when I need you objection is not a good one to get because it means the customer does not see the value. They just do not see the value in the proactive services. You know, this might be one of those customers that is extremely rare, by the way, that just never gets it. You know, the customer that thinks technology should just take care of itself. Once you install it, you shouldn't have to touch it. Now, we know as technology professionals that that's far from the truth, and that's not uh, a way to make sure that you have a reliable, consistent environment. But some customers will never get that. You know, they think that you just install it, and it, it's there for 10 years, and you don't touch it. And that's just not how technology works, obviously. But they kind of think it's a microwave oven type approach, right? Say that again? They, th they like to think that technology is just like their microwave oven they pick up at Sears. They plug it in and expect it to work. And that's, uh, that's some of the challenges that we see every day. Is they, just, they think the IT is just something, something that you just plug in and expect it to work, and why do I need to have uh, your services? Does that, uh, does that make sense, Matt? Oh, I think we may have lost Matt here. Matt, are you still with us? I'm not sure what happened with Matt here. So let's just see. I'll put on some intermission music, see if we can get Matt back on here.
we're still trying to get Matt here on the uh, back on the call here. Not sure what happened. I know he was on a cell phone in, in some in an area that uh, didn't have the best cell coverage. So hopefully he will be joining us here in a few more minutes. So just please continue to uh, stand by, and we'll get Matt back on the call here. Hello. Hey, there you are, Matt. You're back. We lost you there for a few minutes. I'm back. Sorry about that. No worries. So what we were kind of talking about there is uh, a lot of small businesses today uh, relate technology to going next to Sears and buying a microwave oven. They just expect to plug it in, and it should work, and really don't see the value in, in having uh, ongoing support. You know, when my microwave oven breaks, I just take it back to Sears to get it fixed. Uh, is that something that we're seeing a, uh, you know, at a growing expectation in, in technology today? Actually, I think it's a shrinking expectation, believe it or not. I, I really think that the small business customers' needs are uh, are elevating, and their expectations from a technology provider are increasing. I think the, the actual customer that really believes that uh, technology is more like a microwave oven, like you said, I think those customers are becoming more uh, few and far between. Uh, you know, that type of customer is more uh, akin to a customer who is maybe business is on a tremendous downturn swing uh, or is on its way going out of business or is in an industry, um, you know, that is on its way out in the area that they're in or whatever the case is, and they're just trying to cling on to anything that they have. But, you know, sometimes you get this objection of, you know, I just want to call you when I need you, a client that's not on a downturn swing and they're not one of these uh, customers that is going out of business or anything else like that. So I think those customers, really, bottom line is they just don't see the value. Uh, they might view you as the IT provider, not as a business analyst and as a technology consultant or as a trusted advisor, but just as a vendor, uh, much like they view their HVAC contractor or their plumber. And what we really have to do in order to combat that objection is not only build the value and show the customers the true benefits to their business, uh, of doing it a different way, but we also need to elevate our own status. And we could do that by, you know, improving the branding and messaging of our company on our business cards and our letterheads and our images, uh, what we uh, say, how we dress, how we act, the way we approach situations. And when you go to meet with your client, are you wearing dungaree sneakers and a polo shirt and trying to talk to them about business issues? I mean, it doesn't make sense. So there's, there's a lot of ways that you can build value as a provider uh, to, your, uh, to your customer, both in yourself and your company, and of course in the benefits that you're going to give them. And it's not until you use all those things, all those tools in your arsenal to help show the customer why it makes sense for them and their business, why their business would be more profitable, why their business would be more competitive, why their business would be more efficient uh, by using services that you're mentioning. If they don't see the why behind it or the value behind it, then they're going to say, why do I need to change? I just want to call you when I need you. And they only see you, in that case, as the plumber, as the HVAC guy, as the guy that just comes in when something's broken. Now, one thing I, I really appreciate about what you bring to the community is, is when you always uh, have that presence, you know, when you're around. I mean, just look at last year WPC when you, you showed up at the wards in a tux and you've been walking around, you walked around WPC in a suit the whole time. 
I mean, I would buy something from you because you you have that professional image. And I want to kind of circle back just a little bit because you you mentioned that again is that's how, that's the separating factor between being a professional consultant and being a technician. So two things we you know we have to look at in our own in our own businesses is how do we show up? And do you, do you go like do you wear a golf shirt and a and a pair of khakis or are you showing up in a suit uh, and uh, and looking professional? And also languaging inside of our own businesses. Now, how do you address your staff? Do you address them as consultants or or technicians? Because to me, if we call our our staff technicians, they're really just you know break fix guys that go and fix problems when they occur. But if you approach it as a consultant, these are people that are empowered to go and make business decisions and consult with people on business reasons for you know in this case just implementing technology and working with technology. I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper on the perception of when we show up, because I think how we show up at, uh, at a new client prospect kind of stops some of those objections from happening. Absolutely. I mean, the best way to handle any objection is uh, before it comes up. I, before I answer that question, I'll just mention this. You know, whenever you get an objection, uh, you should do two things. The first thing you should do mentally is say, okay, I'm um, getting that objection because I didn't do a good job uh, in this part of my sales process or I didn't really convey that properly. I'll have to do a better job of that next time. And then kind of bring your focus back to uh, handling the situation at hand. But in terms of how you show up, all right, that, that's really important. I mean, uh, I have a, a good friend of mine who is a one-man shop uh, phone system provider. And, and his business is very similar to uh, the way a lot of IT providers' businesses are. And when he shows up to a, a sales call or the initial meeting, without exception, he is dressed to the nines in what he calls his power suit. And he is extraordinarily professional, press shirt, tie, cufflinks, suspenders, I mean, polished shoes, you can, you can picture that sort of thing. And he shows up and he has pads of paper uh, with his company logo on it and pens and he has uh, sample phones, in his case, you know, phones to show, and, and he has a very professional business conversation with him to the point where, you know, he really looks like the front person for a, you know, company that is infinitely larger than it actually is. And then he goes out of his way during the presentation to tell the client, say, listen, when we do your project, uh, and he always uses the word we, by the way, because he does have other contractors, just like many of us have as IT providers. He says, you know, when we do your project, you know, I... I'm going to be personally involved. You know, obviously I won't be wearing my suit. I'll probably be having a hard hat on and jeans, but I will be running your project. All right. And in this case, you would say to the client, you say, you know, obviously I probably won't be in the suit as we're here installing the uh, your, your new server. But you know, I will be uh, will be here running your project. I will be personally involved. I'll probably be dressed a little bit differently for the job of the day. You know, but uh, but I'm going to be personally involved. And it's okay to tell the client that. But the first impression that they get from you being there in a suit or being professionally dressed is they're going to have a business conversation. Because what I always like to think of is you don't want to be an HVAC contractor and viewed by your client as such. Uh, and you want to be more like a business advisor, like the way your clients view their accountants and their attorneys. Well, dress more like an accountant and an attorney when you show up to talk to the customer about their business issues than an HVAC contractor. And if you do that, just little things like dressing a certain way, 
carrying yourself in a different way, speaking in more professional terms, not really speaking in techno, uh, technological speak, but in business conversation type of, type of talking, that's what gets the customers to engage with you. Then and only then can you apply what you know technically to help solve their business problems. But to get them to see you in that light, uh, you know, little things like attire really go a long way. Oh, absolutely. They sure mean not, they sure say a lot about your business when you show up professionally turned out. And Matt, some of the other things we, you know, we come across on a daily basis and what we do is, you know, getting the clients to believe that we are going to deliver on what we say we're going to do. And a lot of feedback I hear back, you know, from new people that we have no existing relationship with is, how do I know you're going to do exactly what you are mentioning here in our conversation? Because my past experience with other IT providers is sure they come and talk a, a great storm, but when it comes to delivering, they f often fall short. So how do you get around that type of an objection? Right. Well, you know, like I said, there's good ob objections to get, and this is one of them. Uh, this objection means you've done a great job of building value. Because if you're getting the objection of, hey, how do I know you're going to do all that, what your customers are essentially saying is, hey, you know what, if you do do all that, I think that's pretty good for me. All right? So they see the value, which is, which is very, very good. Um, and then the other thing you could do is you could say, you know, of course, uh, Mr. Customer, you know, you're going to get the report uh, that we're going to generate for you, and it's going to have a certain list of things. But, but, you know, in all honesty, Mr. Customer, the biggest thing you're going to have to know that we're doing our job is the fact that you're not going to have problems. I don't know what the other IT providers is. I don't know what kind of investments they've made in their staff. I don't know what kind of investments they've made in their technology and in the tools to be able to deliver the services uh, as proactively as we're talking about. But I know that we've made significant investments in that area, and I know that our customers don't have unexpected downtime. They don't get viruses across their network. They don't have backups that aren't recoverable. And that's because we do what we do every single day. Uh, so I'll be happy to give you names of customers that we work with, and I'll be happy to show you a sample report. I'm happy to work with you. But honestly, Joe, you know, the best thing you're going to have is to know that your network is up and running and that it doesn't go down, and that's how you know we're doing what we do. One of the, one of the common themes I hear throughout this whole conversation, Matt, is to be properly prepared to handle objections before they occur. Is there any tips or tricks you can recommend to our listeners today that they can do ahead of time to uh, prevent objections and you know move right to that let's get let's do business together uh, talk at the end of the at the end of the pitch. Sure, there there's no substitute for practice. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that um, that a big focus uh, of our three day boot camp is role playing is exactly that. Uh, reasoning that you're just describing. I mean, what I recommend to all partners is to stand in front of a mirror and to imagine the customer has just uttered words that you expect them to say, like, you know, I can't afford it, it's not in my budget, how do I know you're going to do all that, I still have hours left with my current guy, uh, or whatever objections that you think you're going to hear. And practice what you're going to say. Practice the yes, but approach of handling objections, which is agreeing with the customer, seeing their point of view, um, saying but or transitioning the conversation, and then giving them new information, new information that's factually based that helps them change the perception that they originally had. Because 
other thing that, that I can't stress enough here, Stuart, is the belief that an IT provider must have in their own services. I mean, it sounds very corny and everything, but it's, it's so critical that the IT provider must have tremendous belief in two things. Number one, that their offerings that they're presenting to the customers are needed by the customers. In other words, you're talking to the customers that are the size and the type and the scope and so forth that need these services. They need them to survive. They need them to grow. They need them to um, just be in business. So they need your services, and you as the IT provider must believe that. And the second thing that you must believe as an IT provider is that these offerings are a tremendous value for the client. I mean, they're getting a good deal. I mean, think about what they would get if they hired somebody. You know, how good of a service level would they get? How proactive would that person be? How much would it cost them? Now, the reality is that most IT providers can provide service to the customer better than if, if the customer hired somebody full-time because they don't have all the hang-ups and they, you know, they won't eventually turn into being reactive and they won't go on vacation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you actually are giving customers something that they need and something that is a great value. And if you as the IT provider believe that, and truly believe it, that handling objections is easy. Coming up with the information and the facts to give them to, uh, to rebut these objections comes naturally. That said, it's always helpful to stand in front of that mirror or role play with another individual and really just practice that because it's not a good thing to say something and have it come out of your mouth and the first time you hear it come out of your mouth is when you're in front of a customer. It's always better if you practice this first. Same thing with uh, technology installs. I guarantee that the first time you're going to install Cougar is not going to be on a client's network. It's probably going to be in your office, maybe on the client's server, but it's going to be in a controlled environment. So when it goes bad or when you mess it up or when it doesn't go the way you expect it to, you can learn from that, fix it, and move forward. It's the same thing with handling objections. You have to do it first in a controlled environment. Test it, practice it, uh, role play it with someone, and then you're ready for life. You're ready for prime time. That's, that's perfect, Ben. And you know, I'm going through your book here, and I mean, I'm, it's a really good read, and I highly recommend it to anybody who's listening to our program today uh, to pick it up. And we'll, I'll have a posting on my uh, blog site at stuartcrawford.com uh, maybe tomorrow where they can find it, but we'll also announce the URL here near the end. But, you know, one of the things I see on here, Matt, and uh, you have the, the chapter on yes, but, the simple approach to handling objections uh, is the yes, but method. Can you go into a little bit more detail on that? Sure, sir. So the yes, but method has five easy steps. Step one is agree. You have to see it from the customer's perspective. You have to see it from the customer's point of view, with their eyes, with the information. They perceive the information that they've been given. They're making a statement or they're asking a question. And you need to see why they see it that way. Why do they think it's too expensive? Why are they asking me uh, that, uh, you know, am I sure I'm going to do all these things? Why are they telling me about their other provider? Why are they telling me that the other provider is a nice guy? You know, what, are, what is the reasoning behind what are they saying, what they're saying? So you have to kind of see it from their point of view, uh, take a look at it from their chair for a moment, and really empathize with them and agree with their perception because their perception is their reality. You don't have to acknowledge that it's fact because it's likely not, but you have to acknowledge that it's true for them. Now, I, I understand why you think it's 
uh, you know, too expensive, Mr. Customer. It's certainly, you know, three times the cost that you experienced last year on your P&L statement. Uh, but the second step is to, is to say, but, and, or however, and really transition that conversation. A good, a good uh, phrase that I use is, and the truth is. You know, or but the truth is. You know, so, 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 Bob, I understand that it's, you know, three times the cost that you experienced last year, but the truth is we're not comparing apples to apples here. The truth is that last year your server was down three times. You almost lost a customer because of the down day. You had uh, employees that were unproductive uh, many times a week. You had an internal office manager who kept trying to fix IT issues, and, you know, when I interviewed her, she said she spends an average of two or three hours a week spending IT issues. That's over 130 hours a year. That costs you, based on her salary and lost profits and everything, that costs you almost seven or eight grand a year. And you could show the math to the customer. And then step three is to give them that new information. So step one is to agree. Step two is to transition with the words but, however, or and. Step three is to give them new information. New information that helps expand their perception. It helps them uh, make a different statement. Uh, step four, after you've given them that new information, you now have been essentially, you granted yourself permission to ask them again for the commitment. All right? So you say, you know, given the fact that, you know, Susie, your office manager, has spent so much time and it's really costing you so much money and you've had the downtime, which you won't have with us, and this and that, all right, wouldn't you like to go ahead and give our solution a try for the next quarter? And that's step four. Step four is to ask. Okay, I think we're lost, Matt, again there. Uh, Matt, you still, are you come back yet? Are you still there? Okay, we're having some challenge with uh, with uh, with Matt there. Uh, Matt, uh, just uh, trying one more time. You there? Hello, sir. Nothing heard. I know he's in. Uh, I know he's having some challenges with his uh, location there. So maybe just go through uh, what Matt was going to say there, because I do have a kind of scripted here with the with us as well. If step four is to ask for the order again, and then step five is to be quiet, so let the customer uh, speak. So we'll, we'll give Matt a couple minutes here, and while we're waiting, I'm just going to kind of talk about a couple other things uh, coming up here, and then we'll, we'll bring Matt. If Matt comes back on, we'll we'll close up. Uh, with some uh, final final sayings or final uh, details, but uh, just uh, oh maybe he's back now. Let's see, Matt. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. The year dropped out again there, so I kind of uh, let everybody in. That step four was to ask for the order again, and then step yep. five was to kind of just shut up and listen and be quiet. That that's exactly right. Step five is to absolutely be quiet because what the customers doing during that very awkward silence is they are talking themselves into. Uh, your solution. They're processing the new information that you've given them, applying, applying it to what they said originally, and they're changing their perception. And they will open their mouth and tell you uh, either, I'll take it, or they'll give you another objection. So you are quiet until they open their mouth and either say, yes, I'll take it, or giving you another objection, in which case you go right back to step number one. And the cycle repeats itself until they say, yeah, Matt, let's go ahead. I think it's great. We'll uh, we feel very comfortable making this business decision. That's right. So in the in the last uh, few minutes here, Matt, any last-minute uh, gems that you can share with the listeners today? Any gems I can share with the listeners today? 
I think, um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is to really just have confidence in, in yourself and confidence in your solutions. I, I'm amazed at how many partners, you know, don't have that. I mean, they're, they're excited to, to do something better for their customers, uh, but they're just, you're kind of not sure. But just try something. Just, you know, put yourself out there. You know, if something doesn't work, if you're afraid you're going to get taken advantage of, try it. See how it works. If you get taken advantage of, say to the customer, well, listen, it's not working. Say to the customer up front, listen, we're, we're doing this. Uh, I'm, I, I believe we can deliver this at this price, uh, but if it's not working out for you, or if it's not working out for us in a couple of months, we should engage each other in a conversation. Sound fair? And a customer will say, sure, of course that sounds fair. So try something out. It's better to do something than to do nothing. Better to try something, test it and measure it, than to just kind of sit back and wait for it to happen. That would be the, the, the last piece of advice that I could give today. Great, Matt. You know, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day in, um, in a difficult uh, location. Uh, for your cell coverage there. I think we got majority of the information we wanted to, um, to achieve today. You know, I'm listening to the program live right now on Blog Talk Radio. Perhaps I've downloaded and I'm listening to it on my iPod at the, at the gym tomorrow morning. And I'm really inspired by what uh, you have to say. And I want to follow up a little bit more about the services that Matt Mackwitz has to offer. Where can people oh, – tell us actually, just tell, give us a little bit of a – Introduction to Ambition Mission, and what is, and I know you, we kind of talked about this at the start of the show there, but uh, you know what's the the goal for Ambition Mission? Well, yeah, I have a, this company, Ambition Consulting, and the community Ambition Mission community, and you know the the goal is to really um, you know, train partners, and there's a few ways for us to be able to accomplish that. I mean, one obviously is we have the book. I have the book on audio for the people who make the excuse of I haven't made the time to read it. I actually put it on a one gigabyte MP3 player, and it's over nine hours of my presenting the content of the book and expanding with a lot of examples and extra stories and so forth. So I have the book, the audio book. I have private one-on-one coaching for those companies that are ready for that commitment. Uh, probably the most economical way uh, for partners to get involved with, uh, with me and with this type of content is to join my Ambition Mission community, which is $99 a month. Uh, we do several live Q&A webinars every single month, plus a few open conference calls, which I call Chat with Matt. And we have all of these archived and recorded for download, and uh, you know, at your heart's content, there's over 30 hours of material that's already up there and archived. And uh, we also have, uh, we're just announcing, Stuart, I don't even have it up on my uh, website, uh, which is ambitionmission.com, but I don't even have yet announced on the website the three-day boot camps, uh, which are going to be uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, April 25th, 26th, and 27th, and then again Friday, Saturday, Sunday, May uh, 30th, 31st, and June 1st. And those two weekend boot camps are going to be complete immersion uh, into all of the topics around making the transition to managed services, including role-playing and taking back tools and techniques and a plan that you can begin implementing that Monday and really uh, taking it to the next level and immersing yourself in the weekend. And if you want more uh, information about those boot camps or any events that uh, as I'm traveling all over the country and, and doing speaking engagements and seminars and, and pre-day events, uh, the best thing to do is just send an email to events at ambitionmission.com. Let us know where you are in the country and, and, uh, and we'll let you know when we're coming to town. 
and other than that, you can always email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at ambitionmission.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear, uh, you know, if you own the book and what you think of it. I'd love to uh, see your review on Amazon.com, and I'd love to uh, hear uh, any challenges that you're having uh, making the transition to managed services and how I can help. So that's, uh, that pretty much sums up me. I really appreciate you taking time out of your morning to come in, or afternoon to come and talk to us on Small Business IT Radio today. And if you're ever out uh, Western Canada, we'd love to have you come and talk to our user group out here. We have a brand new start, uh, Calgary uh, Microsoft user group that we just launched a few months ago. And uh, so you're making travels out this way. We'd love to have you come out and talk to us. Yeah, we'll have to set something up. Stuart. For sure. Absolutely. And don't forget, Matt's going to be doing a pre-day with uh, Carl Palachuk at SMB Summit. And, to, and today is the last day to get the, the discount. Or if you sign up for Matt's uh, pre-day, you actually save. I'll actually give you a dollar. So uh, you'll save the, uh, the the. You can send your pre-registration to uh, to the middle of the month. I think it was Matt. Matt March fifteenth. You, you said uh, was the, the cutoff for that. If they register for our pre-day, which is ninety-nine dollar pre-day with Carl Palachek and I, uh, the title of it is executing perfect profitable projects, selling and executing perfect profitable projects. It's a $99 session. Uh, seats are filling up. There's a limited amount of seats we have available. Uh, but once um, once you register for that, you get a code to get an extra $100 off whatever discounted price you've already gotten on the uh, on the SMB Summit so, uh, conference itself. So we're looking forward to having, uh, uh, having a good session and a good pre-day and giving a lot of value to the folks that come to that. So I'm looking forward to it. So even better reason to execute today, February 29th, on uh, getting out to SMB Summit. So you can even save yourself a little bit more uh, on your registration and uh, get in that great uh, pre-day event. SMBSummit.com is the website for uh, for the upcoming April 18th event in Dallas. Uh, just uh, to run by our schedule here on Small Business IT Radio over the next a uh, few weeks. We have uh, Eric Simpson on next week, and we're going to continue our theme on managed services, and we're going to be talking about a little bit of marketing and marketing or managed services. And we got a great uh, lineup coming up. we got Will Krisky coming up, who's another Calgary entrepreneur, talking about making money in IT. And Will just released an e-book uh, called the, uh, the Money Maker or the Wealth Maker, I think it is. I have to go back and check on my website for that one. Uh, but that's coming up here in March. Uh, go on to our website at blogtalkradio.com slash SMB. For more information on what's coming up on our program, we are online on Blog Talk Radio every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. on the West Coast. And this is Stuart Crawford coming to you from Calgary, Small Business IT Radio. And we're going to sign off today. Look forward to having you on our program next week uh, at uh, Friday at noon. And if you ever have, if you have a topic that you want to bring on on the show, email me at info at stuartcrawford.com, and love to have you on our program talking about whatever you do with small business IT. Until next week, have an awesome weekend and a wonderful week coming up.